You're listening to Curious Conversations About Sex, and my name is Rog. This podcast is brought to you by Curious Creatures, who run a variety of sexuality and self-development workshops in Australia. Please bear in mind that not all conversations will be suitable for younger people. Also bear in mind that while we can discuss general concepts, what we say can't be taken as personal advice or guidance. You're the only person that is an expert on being you. If you've got questions you'd like us to answer, or you want to find out more about us, look us up at curiouscreatures.biz. B-I-Z. And so to today's question, which is... What's this language? Vulva owners and cock owners. And actually, listeners, this is a kind of a hybrid of a couple of questions uh, that have come in over the months. Um, And I was just chatting with uh, my co-hosts, Lee and Euphemia, and we also realised that we might want to let this range into uh, some topics including... uh, trans uh, gender, transsexuality, and why people transition. Uh, but we'll just sort of see how we go with that a little bit. Before we begin, I just um, want to give us, uh, frankly, permission to fuck this up. Um, we're in an incredible time at the moment around language, uh, g- gender language in particular, like how we describe genders, how we describe genitals, how we think of people. And I just want to declare from the outset, there's not agreement even within our often progressive community as to what language is perfect for everyone. There's a lot of language which is right for about 95 or 98% of people, but which is savagely wrong for some people. So uh, I just want to relieve us from the pressure of actually like pretending that we have the correct answer on any of this stuff. I would much prefer to think in terms of just like, uh, like I want to pick our brains, I want to pick your brains, frankly, around what this language means to you. Um, yeah, relieved from that pressure to actually get it right. Um, how's that sound? Are you too happy to proceed on that basis? Sounds Absolutely. Like a good start. Um, okay, so let's start approximately in the zone of, of what that language is around vulva owners and cock owners. Um, does anyone want to kind of go first on that. Uh, Yeah, I'm happy to. So just a background for folks who don't know me or know of my work, I was assigned female at birth. I'm a man. And I spent the first 25 years of my life uh, living as a woman, because that is what I was assigned as. And assigned gender simply meant when the doctor or the midwife picked me up at when I was born, they looked at my genitals and said, this is a boy or this is a girl. That's all assigned gender means is what they put on your birth certificate. And I was assigned female at birth. And so because that doctor looked at me and said, oh, you are an innie, right? You are not an outie. You are an innie. Uh, Clearly, you are a girl. And so a vulva owner is someone like myself who happens to have genitals that involve a vulva being present. Somebody who is a cock or a phallus owner simply means somebody who happens to have a cock or a phallus present, because it's not about gender identity. Identity is how you see yourself, right? That's about self-identity. And so to me, there's a difference between what you are assigned as what you might be currently possessing, because there are transgender people who have had various surgical procedures, and then there is also what your identity is. And so I love that notion of uh, when it comes to medical health, right, uh, you're going to check to see if you have cervical cancer. The language that I love is if you've got it, check it. 
And so yeah. to me, that's about yeah. are you a vulva owner or a, a cock owner? Mm. What about yeah. for yourself, Euphemia? And, and, and I gather, um, like, like yeah, maybe just before we jump to oh. that, I, I love that you mentioned the, the medical example and the hospital system because I, I gather that must be a, a situation where you receive uh, some confusion sometimes, Lee. Uh, kind of. It's, uh, it's interesting, for me at least, because uh, when you look at all of my legal gender material, which simply means what's on your driver's license, right? That's all yeah. legal gender means is what does the government think you are today? And so my yeah, legal yeah. gender is male. Uh, my bits are honestly my business unless you're having sex with me, right? Yeah. Uh, but for people when they are looking at my medical history, you have to be aware that my hip structure happens to be somebody who is assigned female at birth's hip structure. So if somebody is going to be doing any sort of hip or leg or midsection surgery on me, they need to know that even though my legal gender is male. In the yeah, United States, yeah, they're right. very picky about health insurance. And I wasn't sure because I had to have a hysterectomy because I happened to have one in my body. I happened to have ovaries and a yeah. uterus at that time. And I had to have this done, but there was no drop-down menu in the hospital system for being able to say, you know, removing uterus, legally male. There just wasn't an option in the medical drop-down system. It was, a, mm -hmm. it was a flaw in the medical system that just wasn't being addressed. And so I had to contact my medical insurance to say, what am I supposed to do? I need this procedure. And luckily, I had somebody very compassionate who had been trained on the topic uh, on the other end of the phone. And they said, ah, we will change your gender on your insurance only but you can only do so mm. once a year. And I'm like, what? <laughs> that there was a policy in place wow. through their system, but you couldn't change it all the time. And because of that gift of that person through my insurance being willing to, I didn't have to go through the process of changing my legal gender back to being female, which would be very hard because I've been on hormones for over a decade. And the average person walking down the street would go, oh, that's a very dapper gentleman with a full beard and, and a mid-range voice. Like that's somebody who just looks like somebody who's metrosexual, right? Who happens to look like they're yeah. just slightly, you know, poof, as it yeah. were. <laughs> um, and that's just what my body is. And so it, it's one of those really interesting things around transition is when somebody says that they're transitioning, are you saying that they're legally transitioning and they're changing their driver's license? Are you saying that they are medically transitioning and they might be going on hormones or having various surgical procedures done? Are they socially transitioning and telling either their family or their coworkers that they are of a different gender uh, experience than what their family or coworkers might have experienced or expected? Or is it something else entirely, right? Uh, because that yeah. word transition means so many different things to different people. And when we just say somebody is transitioning, there's a confusion around what that means because it's a big umbrella topic. Yeah, that actually should be the entry point for a whole lot more conversations rather mm -hmm. than a finishing piece of information in itself, hey? Yeah. Um, perhaps, uh, Euphemia, uh, we'll cross to you. What are your thoughts on around language of vulva owners and cock owners and so forth? 
So when I run events, I always have ground rules um, that I put in place at the start of the event. And one of them is that genitals don't equal gender. Uh, so I say mm -hmm. that to everyone to practice not assuming that how someone's gender presents or someone's gender expression um, implies what is in their pants. Uh, and it's trying to rewire people's belief that the words sex and gender are interchangeable and the same because society, you see on medical forms, people say, what is your gender? And they'll put male or female. And that's actually... Male and female are, are words for sex or sex assigned at birth, um, whereas gender is actually uh, gender expression or gender identity. So trying to separate those two things in people's minds um, and, and basically just rewires people understanding that all men or mask-presenting people don't have penises and prostates and not all femmes and women have vulvas and vaginas. So it's basically... Uh, saying that people could have had uh, bottom surgery and now have a vulva or have a have a cock. I generally say people with vulvas or people with uh, cocks or people with prostate, whichever part I'm talking about, because I also don't like erasing people who are intersex who have a combination of genitalia. Um, yeah. Because as Lee was saying, the way that people are assigned sex at birth is uh, just on their external genitalia. It's not necessarily even the internal genitalia or the chromosomes or the hormones. And all of these things uh, make up someone's act uh, assigned sex. Um, mm. But, yeah, I think it's important to talk about gender identity and gender expression. So, for example, uh, I identify as genderqueer or gender fluid where I'll feel much more mask or much more femme or kind of in between somewhere on different days. And that can be kind of confusing for myself and for other people because uh, everyone sees it as a binary, as either one or the other. Um, but it, it's nice to understand that, for example, a cisgender, if people have heard of that word, basically means that their assigned sex at birth and their gender identity and expression are all matching uh, and I put matching in inverted commas um, because what does that even mean anyway? Um, but they present as the way that they were assigned and the way that it, um, they're assigned on, as Lee was saying, with all of their, their official paperwork. Whereas someone's transgender, if um, their sex and their gender are fluid or non-conforming or don't necessarily, um, they don't necessarily identify with the, the sex that they were assigned at birth. Um, and then, of course, as I was saying with intersex people, there's a combination. Um, and all of these things can change or fluid or people can transition for a lot of different reasons. Um, and I don't feel that I can speak about transitioning with any authority because I haven't experienced that. Um, but it's something that people are slowly learning more about. And I think it's, as you said uh, it's a really exciting time, Rog, because gender politics and understanding of gender used to be purely led by institutions. And yeah. now there's this really exciting time, particularly with the internet, where gender politics and gender identity and understanding of gender is actually being led 
in places on the internet like Reddit and Tumblr, where people are coming to understand their own identity and the complexity of it. And that's actually the forefront now and institutions are on the back foot. So inevitably language is changing all the time and we'll all stumble and not get it quite right for everyone because gender is so personal. Um, but it's, it's something that people are slowly becoming more aware of and it's really exciting. I'm smiling as, as, you, as you talk about it as an exciting time. I, I like your take on it. I, I really do yeah. want to throw out, because um, the, the topic of the language developing online and whatnot uh, is a really positive thing, but we really need to keep in mind that it is not everyone's experience. Totally. That the not. language that is being yeah. evolved online has a degree of privilege mm-hmm. to it. And it rules out conversations. I mean, in Australia, the conversations around sister girls and brother boys and folks who are in aboriginal um, Aboriginal populations uh, that are being left out of the dialogue. And in the United States, folks who are two-spirit, who are part of a variety of different um, First uh, First Nations peoples who are being left out of the dialogue of visibility. Because if you're not on the internet, clearly you're not real. Totally. Yeah. And so and, it's something that I've been not, sitting with a lot and like having to check myself. So I just, again, that whole yeah. notion of we're all going to fuck it up, that includes me, yeah. right? Like I've been having myself kind of slapped around in the last four years of like, oh, wait, I was not yeah. having a consciousness. So I'm just passing that on because I figure if yeah. I'm struggling with it and this is what I do for a living, there's probably yes. other people who are going, oh my gosh, that's yes. not my words in my journey. Yes. They're probably having yes. it too. <laughs> Absolutely. There's a really yes, good, I love good that book. you say that. I, I, I feel the same. I feel like as someone that's somewhat embedded within these communities, I don't understand the language a lot of the time. And I look at people who are just on the periphery or outside of this community. And I think fortunately or unfortunately, some of us are so passionate about this some of the time that if, and, and our gender identity is so crucially important to us, that if someone gets it wrong, there's a sense that they're going to get um, metaphorically slapped over the head for getting it wrong. Mm-hmm. And it makes it so very difficult for people to ask uh, the questions. And so I love that we're demonstrating we're in the middle of this or somewhat in the middle of this and we're confused as well. <laughs> I, I would offer that um, for folks who are having those moments where it really hurts, because we've been struggling internally for yep. some people in yep. the last six months, for some people over 60 years, We've internally been having the internal dialogue and struggle. Mm. It can really hurt when somebody trips, right, or bumps into something because you've been carrying that wound for that long. Mm. But for some people, this is the first time they've heard about it. So they've literally had two minutes and you've had 60 years. Mm. And so we can still experience fatigue as transgender people. Now, as a note, with Latin trans simply means across like transatlantic it just means across and cis simply means same it's it's a latin root word and so when you hear words like cisgender and transgender please translate to latin because that's all it means yeah. there is not a judgment in either direction it is simply a linguistic tool from a latin root language so i i know i just like that's something that like once i kind of pinned that down mm-hmm. and that trans is an adjective for a lot of folks, not universal, but for about 60% of the people or more that I run into, trans simply means, it's the same as saying it's a blonde person, right? It is an adjective. And so for me, once I've realized, oh, trans man is somebody who's a man 
who happen to have transitioned from something else. Mm, A trans woman is a woman who happens to have transitioned from something else. And once my brain broke it into an adjective, it really helped me be like, oh, when somebody says trans woman, it's a woman, probably use she. And once my brain got that little hack, I found it really useful. Mm. And I I know for me, when I've clung, when I've found language that I resonate with that describes me, particularly after all the years of not having that language, I've been guilty of gripping hold of that with a very fervent passion. Mm -hmm. And then when someone else doesn't understand it, I really need to be mindful as to whether they don't understand it because they couldn't possibly, um, because they're not me and they haven't heard it, but they're trying, versus someone who doesn't understand it and hates the idea that I've stepped outside the binary and doesn't want to get it and is using their tone as a way of saying, fuck you. Uh, So obviously one of those situations I want to be warm and friendly and supportive of, and the other one I need a little bit of a barrier in place. And sometimes the temptation is just to put a barrier in place to all of it. Mm. Yeah. And we might just leave that half of the conversation there. Um, stay tuned for the next episode where we'll follow that conversation up. Um, but first, let's hear a little bit more about our guests today. Uh, first, Euphemia, would you like to say a little about who you are and what you offer? Sure. Uh, so I'm a sexuality and pleasure educator. And I started I Wish You Knew, which is a project and the aim of it at the moment is just to share practical information, particularly with curious millennials, um, because that's who seem to want to come and to my events the most. Um, so I do consultations and events and they explore pleasure and 101 kink, communication and identity. So at the moment I'm running butt plug dance parties to explore your butts and porn screenings and sex and communication events. Um, And I trained in California with SFISI, so endorsed by them and also a member of the Society of Australian Sexologists and work here in Australia and also in the United States. Um, and if you want to hook in with the things that I do, then check out www.iwishyouknew.net or sex.iwishyouknew on Instagram or Facebook. Fantastic. And Lee, who are you and what do you offer? Absolutely. So I'm a spiritual and sexuality educator like Euphemia, but I also do a lot of work as a performance artist and author. I've written 10 books so far and the number just keeps growing, including Playing Well with Others, Your Guide to Discovering, Exploring, and Navigating the Kink, Leather, and BDSM Communities, as well as Shibari You Can Use, Japanese Rope Bond, and uh, Erotic Macrame, and recently Traversing Gender, Understanding Transgender Realities. I've been blogging since 1998, and I'm the host of the Passion and Soul podcast. And just like Passion and Soul, you can find me anywhere on the internet if you type in those words, passionandsoul.com, or pretty much those words anywhere. Thank you both so much for sharing your wisdom, and I look forward to the next half of this conversation. You've been listening to Curious Conversations About Sex, brought to you by Curious Creatures, where at curiouscreatures.biz B-I-Z 